Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host Alex Klein and today is Marvel Unlimited Monday. Honestly guys, it does not feel like it's been a week since the last time I've done this Marvel Unlimited episode. It feels a lot longer for some reason and these weeks have been flying by. I've been kind of tracking them based off of the Jonathan Hickman books as they come out. Each week is each of my weeks for the last 12 weeks has basically been uh, Wednesdays here, time to read the new uh, the new Hickman X-Men comic, and uh, this Wednesday is actually the last one, well, the last of this section, so uh, Powers of Ten, issue number one, or issue number six, comes out on Wednesday, and then the following week, X-Men number one starts up, which is by Jonathan Hickman as well, so the whole Dawn of X is starting, and like I said before, I will be reviewing Dawn of X, uh, most of the other issues, since I'm going to be taking on so many for the Dawn of X, will go to uh, Marvel Unlimited, but I wanted to just kind of give you a heads up uh, for you guys on that end too before we jump in on this. So um, in December, just so you guys are aware, like I said, I'm going to be reading all, or December, November, I'm going to be reading all of the Dawn of X series, plus I will still be doing uh, uh, Silver Surfer Black, but that series ends this month as well with Silver Surfer Black issue 5, that's in two weeks. Or oh no, that's next week as well. With uh, along with Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, issue number ten, I will be stopping Guardians of the Galaxy on issue number twelve, and that is because uh, New York Comic Con was this weekend, and there were some new announcements for new issues that are coming out and new series that are starting, and so whenever that sort of shakeup happens, that's usually when I pick. Uh, what series I'm going to stick with or jump off of. And and the, the beauty of all of it is all of these stories are going to come to Marvel Unlimited anyway. So in one, one way, shape, or form, I will be talking about them and sharing my thoughts with you guys. It's just either going to be on a weekly basis or uh, in six months on a weekly basis. So um, Guardians of the... And for any of you who aren't aware, for New York Comic Con, Marvel had its next big thing panel. And also had some interesting information come out of its uh, Dawn of X panel. So the things that I, I caught when I was watching it were uh, Dawn, the second round of comics with Dawn of X. They only teased one comic, which is a solo Wolverine series that is going to be written by Benjamin Percy with art by Adam Kubert. Which, uh, if you guys aren't familiar, I'm pretty sure... Um, Adam Kubert, I love Adam Kubert, he's done a lot of stuff, he did New Avengers, and uh, he's done some cool covers that I got him to sign, but I'm pretty sure he did some Wolverine stuff back in the day too, so for you Wolverine fans out there, you probably know a little bit more about that than me, um, I, and I've said this before, I'm not the biggest X-Men comic fan, and I've become that, so that's why I really want to embrace this new X-Men saga in the Marvel uh, comic universe. So I'm diving all in on the X-Men, and I'm going to push some of those other titles that I was reading onto Marvel Unlimited. I, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to jump on that Wolverine series. Uh, and Benjamin Percy, if you guys don't know, he's the one doing X-Force, but he also was the one who wrote the podcasts for Wolverine. The Wolverine, The Long Night, and then there's another one that uh, I haven't heard yet. Wolverine, The Long Night was really good. It was really, uh, I enjoyed it a lot, especially in that podcast format. But uh, the second one, I don't know the title, but he's written that one as well. So he knows his way around, around Wolverine. And I saw his interview. He's a really cool, he seems like a really cool guy. He's very, uh, he's very dramatic, but he has a very deep voice. 
So uh, it was it was just really cool to listen to him talk and, and to share the kind of things that he's got coming up. But that doesn't come out till February, so I've got I've got some time to decide whether or not I want to jump on that. The other stories that were a little more pressing, in my opinion, was from the uh, the next big thing panel. And so the things that were announced there is that Donny Cates is going to end his run on Guardians of the Galaxy on issue twelve. Uh, which is kind of nice. It's a it's going to be a nice, clean 12-issue series. Like I said, those are the almost the best kinds because you can tell a really good story in 12 issues. And if you don't have a lot to say after that, it kind of seems like you're meandering. So to cut it off at 12 is great. He seems like he's got some big plans for that final 12th issue. It's an oversized issue. And then from there, uh, the, the series is going to be taken over by Al Ewing. Uh, which is also in its own right exciting. Al Ewing did The Immortal Hulk, but more importantly for this situation, Al Ewing did The Ultimates. And if any of you haven't read The Ultimates series, uh, they are phenomenal. They're really, really great. It's a very high concept sci-fi thing. Like if you're a fan of Hickman, I would recommend jumping on it. It's uh, The Ultimates and then The Ultimates 2. And they're very short. I think both of them are at max twelve issues apiece. I think they're even they're they're guaranteed less than that. But he just had a really good time um, dealing with some super high concepts like Galactus turning into the Lifebringer, the uh, the what are they the higher cosmic elements of Marvel like. Uh, uh, Lord Order and Master Chaos and Infinity and Eternity and those those sort of uh, characters and then the team that he had was the uh, they called themselves the it was that's why it was called they were the Ultimates but it was like a space team so it was they were based in space and it was uh, they guarded the Earth from it was essentially a continuation of the Illuminati because that was right after Hickman's run on the uh, Illuminati are on uh, New Avengers, and from there it moved into the Ultimates, and so it was, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, this is off the top of my head, it was Blue Marvel, uh, Adam Brashear, and then uh, Spectrum, which is uh, Monica Rambeau, and then Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel, America Chavez, who it was so cool in the series, Black Panther, and gosh, there's probably one or two others, but even that whole thing would have made for would make for a really good Marvel movie because of the concepts that they discuss in it. It's it's just a, it's a very high level thing. And so his description of the Guardians, he said, uh, he kind of akin it to the Ultimate series, but he said uh, we are essentially he's taking control of space. I guess is what he said. So he's going to have control of everything there. So he said we're going to be dealing with a lot of different space societies like the Shi'ar and that sort of stuff, which all sounds super, super interesting. But I think I'm going to wait for that one for Marvel Unlimited. Just because, again, I know if he's writing it, he's going to be writing it for a long time. And uh, I would rather, I, I can wait six months to then just get the jump on that and um, save a little bit of money on that end for that series because I know otherwise I'm gonna I'm gonna have so many series that I'm reading. So uh, the good news though is that Donny Cates now that he's not doing Guardians, he's actually gonna be doing Thor because uh, Jason Aaron's Thor run ends uh, with King Thor number four in December. So January, uh, just as I'd predict, well, I didn't predict it. I mean, I'd heard some things, but he is taking over Thor. It's gonna be him and art by Nick Klein. Uh, no relation, unfortunately, 
but the guy kind of sounded German in the interview, so I was like, okay, okay. Uh, I'm only a little bit German, but uh, Klein is actually German for small, and that is accurate because I'm only 5'7", which I would argue is a normal height for a person, but uh, you know, when I was in school, people made sure to point out that that was not a normal height. But regardless, uh, who's the one having a podcast right now? Not them. So... Uh, <laughs> But uh, so I'm actually really excited because uh, they showed some preview art for that Thor series, and it sounds insane. I mean, it's Donny Cates, so he says every issues. These the my favorite thing about these comic cons where they do the announcements and Marvel is, is super heavy. In uh, New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con, they have these next big thing panels, and the funny thing is, just most of these guys. And this is this is not an insult at all to these creators, whether they're the artists or the writers, uh, because their work speaks for themselves. I mean, Al Ewing, incredible, and they had Al Ewing, Dan Slott, uh, Donny Cates, and Nick Klein sitting up there. And to me, a little weird that it was all five, three, four white guys sitting up there. I figured maybe they would have at least had one of the female creators announcing something next, especially. Um, Kelly Thompson and the stuff that she's doing with Captain Marvel, but it, it wasn't a takeaway by any means. But anyway, we've got these guys sitting up there, and then CB Sabolski, who I don't mind him. I never had a problem with him in the first place, but I know his history of all the weird stuff that he did. With uh, if you guys don't know, look it up. It's something that no one really talks about anymore, but was a big deal when he became editor in chief. He like pretended to be an Asian writer, like a different name and everything for some books on Marvel. Marvel and then uh, like lied about it. It was a re- it was a really big thing, and no one seems to care anymore. And honestly, I I don't care anymore. It's happened, it happened a long time ago, and it's it clearly he's pumping out really good books for Marvel. Fine, but the point I want to make is I I'd say short of Donny Cates because he's one of the few comic creators that I've seen where he he knows how to rile up a crowd because of his personality these guys and gals uh, they just they're not PR people. And they, they're, they're writers. They're, they're, their passion is creating stories. It's not trying to market the stories. Yet Marvel has them market these stories. And they, you know they've got to, they got, they got to do their craft. But it's just, it's so funny to watch these panels because uh, Marvel posts them. So if you're interested, just go to Marvel's uh, YouTube page, and the next big thing panel is on there. And I would highly recommend checking them out because they're cool and they're, it gets you really. They do what they're supposed to do. They get you pumped up for things far in the future these next big things because that's the whole point of comics it's a monthly thing so they have to find a way to entice you to come back and buy these comics month after month after month especially when new comics are coming out because at that point They've got to give you reasons why. So you start hearing a lot of the same things like, uh, this is the next big thing. This is going to change the Marvel Universe forever. Uh, I can't really tell you what's going to happen, but a a slight tease, things are never going to be the same. Or uh, you're you're gonna you are not gonna guess where the direction of this comic it's gonna go to places we never thought it was gonna go. Or I'm starting to hear this one a lot too. I brought up this idea at the Marvel retreat, and everyone thought I thought that this would not go. That this would be too crazy. And Marvel said this is too crazy, but we want you to do it. Or like it just the. And you'll notice this if you follow these creators on Twitter too. Their half of their job is teasing what's to come 
because they have to get you wanting it. They want you to to go to your comic shop and say, I want these comics on my pull list. So I know what to look for. I know these signs, but that's because I went to school for that sort of stuff. I took marketing classes. I took business classes. And these guys are, they're artists. So they, I can tell when it's like, okay, and especially like C.B. Sabalski because he has to. Him and the editors like Jordan White and uh, there's another, who's the editor for, uh, there's an editor for like, I, I don't remember his name, but um, they, uh, they just, they're really good at fluffing up their comics. And in some cases, they're 100% dead accurate. I mean, go back and watch the announcement videos or the, the like the Comic-Con panels for the X-Men series, because that's one where it's like, they followed through 100% on their story and made an amazing story. But there's other ones where you can go back and they're like, oh, things are going to change forever. And it's like, no, it really didn't. Or like, it wasn't that good of a story or you didn't pull it off. Like it didn't happen. And so that's why I'm always leery, but I use these panels and these, these things just to see what I maybe want for the future. So with that said, I'm still, it's a toss up if I want to jump on Thor with Donnie because I love Donnie so much. And I think at the end of the day, I probably will. I'm definitely going to at least get the first issue to see what it's all about, but with that said, just so you guys are aware, as we're moving forward into the future, I'm going to be doing all of the Dawn of X series. I'm going to be getting Captain Marvel from Midtown Comics and uh, reviewing that monthly. And then once Guardians of the Galaxy ends in issue 12 in December, I'll be off that. And um, looking at the rest of this, okay, I'll be on Venom. So, and as well, Donny Cates teased some big things coming up for Venom. Like he said, as I'm saying, uh, Absolute Carnage is only one piece of the giant story that I'm trying to tell. It's like, dude, Absolute Carnage was so huge, and already they're just saying it's just one piece. Like the series hasn't even ended, and they're they're already pitching the next quote unquote big thing. Um, so I'll, I'll be still doing Venom, but I will mostly be doing X-Men plus obviously every single series almost that's on Marvel Unlimited. So just to give you guys a heads up of where things are going, uh, that's some of the new big things. And, and Dan Slott's big thing, just if you're curious, he, his was talking about Iron Man and Fantastic Four. I love Dan Slott, but, uh, I'm not really enjoying his Iron Man run right now. And I'm enjoying his Fantastic Four run, but on both of them, there's nothing really interesting that's going to make me jump onto them again. Though, he is saying that Iron Man is ending, Tony Stark Iron Man is ending on issue 19, and then coming up in 2020 is uh, is going to be a new one where Arno Stark, his the actual son, the actual Stark, the real guy, uh, is going to be the new Iron Man. That sounds interesting to me, but it's not enough for me to just buy it when it comes out. I'll, I'll be doing that on Marvel Unlimited. And so speaking of which, let's dive right in. So the first issue, and this will be a brief one because I've already read it, is War of the Realms, issue number one. Guys, this is the next big thing right now. This is the this was the summer blockbuster this year, and it was interesting because if you guys were uh, a fan of Avengers Endgame, and I know I know most of you were, this book when I read it because this came out, this issue came out right around when uh, Avengers Endgame came out, and to be exact, uh, these issues all came out April third uh, of this year, so right right before uh, you know a couple weeks before Endgame. This book reminded me of Avengers Endgame, just the way that Jason Aaron writes it. It's essentially the culmination of all of his Thor stuff. So after Roar of Realms ends, there's a couple more issues of Thor, and then we get King Thor. So this was essentially the the big end piece, the big battle. So it's written by Jason Aaron. 
drawn by the magnificent Russell Dowderman, colored by Matthew Wilson and lettered by VCs Joe Sabino. So guys, again, this book should be read because of Russell Dowderman, but you're going to stay because of the story by Jason Aaron. Russell Dowderman and Matt Wilson are just killing it in the terms of the art and color. Russell Dowderman is probably my favorite artist out there right now. I mean, Ryan Stegman is a close... I guess you could say I'm trying to think of any of the others, but just the way Russell Dowd. So if you if you wonder what kind of uh, art that I like in my comics, that's why I say every month is like Russell Dowderman, uh, Pepe Larraz, and uh, Marco Cicchetto, those kinds of crisp per- perfection. And it's it's on display in full in this War of Realms issue, in all of the War of Realms issues because I've read them all and he really pulls it off. So it's just it's amazing. And so the the story behind this, and that's all I'll tell you guys because like I said, you really need to read this for yourselves. But the story behind this is throughout Jason Aaron's run, Thor or th- this War of the Realms has been building. Malekith has been taking over each of the ten realms and uh, essentially creating his own armies out of those realms so that he can control all of the realms and where where it's at at this point is all of the realms are under his control except for one realm which is midgard earth so the entirety of his forces come on the black bifrost which he created to earth to fight and kill and the coolest thing about this is the scope. So War of Realms is the main book, but there are a ton, an ungodly amount of tie-ins. And I was so happy about that because I said, you know what? All I'm going to read is the main title, and I'll get all those tie-ins when I'm on Marvel Unlimited. Well, you know what, guys? That moment is here. It's here. There's seriously, and it shows it at the back end of this, and I'll, I'll go to the very end of this issue. But just in uh, April alone... This is Act 1. This is just April. There are 1. War of the Realms, 1 and 2. As Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, Thor, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Venom, War of the Realms, Journey into Mystery, War of the Realms, Punisher, War Scrolls, and Uncanny X-Men. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 11. 11 comics. Like I said in a prior cast, how do you expect someone to pay for all of these comics? Well, easy. You just have them pay for Marvel Unlimited and have them wait for 6 months. But don't tell them that. Uh, but no, so I'm really excited to start reviewing these. And the reason why I was even okay with it in the first place is because most of these series are dealing with a specific continent on Earth. So like Malekith's forces are essentially, there's like Malekith, Cinder, um, each realm, Muspelheim, Niflheim, Alfheim, each of them are trying to conquer a different continent. So there should be a book in America, North America, a book in South America. There's one I read, which was Agents of Atlas, uh, and that one's in Asia. And then there's one in Australia, and then Africa, Europe, Antarctica. Every single one gets touched, which I thought was a really cool piece because not many event comics can say that they're doing that. Uh, so yeah, seriously, check that one out. That's, uh, I don't know, that's my pick of the week. It probably is just because that book is just, it's, it's such a good action book. Like if you're looking for a comic book, check that one out because it's got it all. Next up, Major X, issue number one, guys. This is written and penciled by Rob Liefeld. 
with inks by him, along with Aldelzo, Adelzo Corona and Dan Fraga, with color art by Romulo Fajardo Jr. and VCs Josebino. I really hope I didn't butcher those names. This is a mini series. It's a, a one of five, I believe. It's either five or six, and it's a kind of. It seems like it's a passion project of Rob Liefeld. It's got. If you guys know anything about him, and I know very little besides what I see on Twitter and what I've heard, he was a '90s X-Men guy. Did a lot of X-Men comics, Deadpool stuff. And so this major X thing is essentially, it seems like a passion piece kind of in that era. So I don't really know what's going on. And honestly, halfway through reading it, I kind of wanted to stop reading it, but I kept going and uh, it definitely picked up once Dreadpool and Deadpool showed up. That was fun to see them fight. I honestly don't know what to think of this. It was good. The art is phenomenal. Rob Liefeld is an amazing artist, so I really enjoy And that's why I kind of kept going because he has a bunch of big splash pages where he draws these guys, and I just I just love the way Rob Liefeld draws people. So that was cool. The reveal at the end is sort of interesting, but i got to tell you guys this much at least. These comics were selling out on the stands because each of these issues, he's like dropping new, unheard-of x-men canon stuff so like first appearances and that sort of thing so these books really flew off the shelves i don't know if the quality backs it up but like i said i enjoyed it i did not like it and i'm definitely going to check out the next issue but we'll see we'll see as it goes uh the next one is marvel team up featuring spider-man and miss marvel this was another one that i was really excited to wait for um, so this issue is actually really interesting. I saw it on the stands and it's a flip issue and they don't do it in this app, but just so you guys are aware, the the whole story is that Spider it's a Spider-Man and Miss Marvel is the team up and uh, they switch brains by the end of this. And so half of the issue is in one page. So you, you flip it open and read it and halfway through it's upside down. So you flip it upside down and it's from Miss Marvel's perspective and the other side is from Spider-Man's. It's actually really cool. So this is by Eve Ewing with art by Joey Vasquez and color art by Felipe Sobriero with uh, letters and production by VCs Clayton Cowles. I imagine that production piece is the whole flipping. Clayton, what can't he do, guys? Seriously, like he's 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 got quite the resume. But so like I said, the story is uh, it's about Peter Parker is going to introduce one of his friends who is a uh what's her name his name's lucy uh yesenia rosario who's a friend of his from school back in the day and actually a really cool concept she's come up with this thing like a cerebro almost that backs up your mind into the cloud for instances of like alzheimer's and stuff really cool concept almost like house of x though this came before it but um uh, Miss Marvel is at this sort of demonstration for her school, and the Jackal shows up to cause some trouble, and both Spider-Man and Miss Marvel kind of save the day, but by the end of it, like I said, uh, the machine kind of goes off, and their brains get swapped, and that's all we know, so that's kind of the, the end of it, is like, uh-oh, where are things going to go from there, and I'm really excited to see it, because I... I haven't read anything Eve Ewing related besides her work on uh, Ironheart. I really like Eve Ewing as a writer. She's a really great writer. I really have enjoyed her, both of these books so far. She just has a really good grasp on uh, the way people talk. And uh, it's made a, a, for a very interesting read. So I would really recommend checking that one out too. It's a brand new title that's still going on. Uh, so it's a great jumping on point, I'd say, especially since it's a number one. Next up, the my favorite sort of series, and you guys know this is the X-Men stuff. Like I said, I, I just it's crazy to me that that 
even this stuff has turned me into an X-Man fan. And I, I'm really just, I'm really happy to be a part of the X family now because I had just for the longest time skipped out on a lot of the X series like Mr. and Mrs. X. And there's some other ones that kind of were getting released right around this time period now. And I just, I felt bad because the X-Men, I mean, that's the whole reason that Hickman took over is just the X-Men have just been not boring, but it just felt like they have been cast aside. Like they are just kind of in their own little part of the Marvel universe. No one ever really interacts with them and uh, no one really cares about them. And that's, it's like, it's so funny because I don't think that was Marvel's intention. I don't think that was ever their intention, obviously, but it made for the Hickman story. Like if the X-Men were as great and awesome and everyone in the universe loved them the way that they should because they're just bringing it back to even like the Avengers versus X-Men it was like okay if you're a regular Joe Schmo and you're watching the TV and you see the Avengers on screen or you see the X-Men on screen how are you going to know the difference like looking at Spider-Man swinging around and lifting things that are 16 times his weight uh and and go is he a mutant like, is that a mutation? Or like Captain America, oh, is that, you know, is he a mutant? Oh, well, we know the X-Men are mutants for sure. We hate them because they're muties. It's like, why? No one ever questions the Avengers. And then at the same time, the Avengers have never helped them. Like, they've never helped out the X-Men. So it's just, it seemed like they've always been put in this weird situation. And so I'm just happy that we are getting them to be a part of this universe now. And it's just, I feel so much more connected to them because of these stories. So that, that hasn't changed a bit when it comes to Prisoner X, issue number two. A little slower than issue number one, but no less interesting. Like I said, these have just, for some reason, these stories have captured me. and Much like a prisoner. I am, I am the prisoner of X. Uh, written by Vita Ayala with art by Jermaine Peralta and color art by Mike Spicer with letters by v VCs Joe Sabino. So if you guys remember, last issue ended with uh, Lucas Bishop or bishop uh having a note under his bed that said the dream is real reality is false get out so this issue is him kind of trying to figure out who gave him this note and no one wants to tell him and he doesn't end up figuring it out and at the same time the authorities or the, the warden is trying to keep a close eye on him for reasons unknown at this point but by the end of this he gets in a good fight with beast as well and uh he ends up getting attacked by a bunch of people that look like him, like other bishops from different time periods, which was really interesting. And that's sort of how the issue ends, is him on this dreamscape being fought by all these bishops, and then the last scene is him getting carried to his bed, but his note is still in his bed. What is going on? And I know that is the that is the reason for this, is like, they want you to be like, what is going on right now? And that's that's fine. I'm, I'm here for the ride. And uh, it's just, like I said, it's not, it didn't get me as much as the first issue, but these are all mini series, so you got to take a couple of low shots along with the high shots, but it's still good. So if you haven't jumped on Prisoner of X, these other ones, I'd recommend it if you're reading all of them. If not, it's one of those, uh, you know, all or nothing sort of things. So you could probably get away with reading a couple of these, but I, I would say you don't need to read Prisoner of X. It's really not, hasn't tied in anything yet. 
I will let you know if it does or when it does. Uh, here's another one, though, that I'm going to have a brief review of in, in a little uh, going forward piece, which is Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History. Uh, this is by Paul Shear and Nick Giovanetti with art by Todd Nuck and colors by Antonio Fabella with letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So if you guys remember, this is a kind of a retconning sort of outside of the universe type story that uh, I don't know yet if it's real or if he's just telling stories, but this issue focuses on Spider-Man. And I just, the way that it started in Spider-Man here, it it was like a quick little thing. And he's, I don't know. I, I'll be honest, guys. I skipped through all of the story on this one. So I read these first two Spider-Man pages and I was like, you know, I just, I don't find it interesting or funny to see Cosmic Ghost Rider fishing on a boat right next to Spider-Man and Venom while they're fighting. Like it just didn't add up to me. And so then as I'm reading these, it's like, okay, so they're just trying to hit all these pieces. I don't know if this is real or not, but I did read the bits in the current day when he's talking with his wife because I think something's going to pay off there because they're really getting along. He's telling these stories and she believes him like she's not, wait, how do you know Spider-Man? So there's got to be something that's going to come up. And by the end of this is the hit out on... uh, um, what's it called? The the hit that basically where Punisher's family gets killed. And so the guy says, uh, I want you to, he, he says, Bruno, I need you to send me a message. This gives rule a message for me. And I, I don't know if that's uh, Italian. I'm Italian. I don't, I've never heard that word before. If it's slang or if it's a swear, I'm sorry. Uh, tomorrow when they make the drop, I want you to string his boy Forrest Hunt up and murder that scum. Do it in Central Park so the whole world can see. So it says, next issue, things are not looking good for the Castle family. So that piece, I am very interested in. This backstory stuff, I am not at all. It, it just hasn't grasped me. This next issue, the cover appears to be him joining with the Phoenix Force. Maybe that will be interesting. But I understand that Cosmic Ghost Rider is a funny character because he is the Punisher but is an old Punisher that has gone insane because of how long he's been alive, that concept is cool to me. When Donny Cates writes Cosmic Ghost Rider, that's cool to me. This series is not cool to me. I don't like the fact that Cosmic Ghost Rider is being played off as a prankster, a goofster, a gaffster. Again, fine. Every once in a while, I love a good prank. I love a good goof, a gaff, whatever you want to call it. But um, when it's constant like this, every issue is just him basically pranking. This is this should be called Mar- Cosmic Ghost Rider pranks the Marvel Universe. It shouldn't be called uh, destroys Marvel history. But in a sense, he is destroying Marvel history because he's pranking all of the big big important moments that come out. So honestly, guys, I would just skip it. I'm gonna read it through the end just to see what happens. I'll let you know. So just tune in when that fifth issue comes out. And uh, I'll let you know what things are going, you know, where things are headed at that point. So next up, Champions, issue number four. This is by uh, Jim Zub with uh, art by Mr. Cummings, who, uh, we're not kidding, here we go, Stephen Cummings. Color art by Marcio Menez with letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. We, this is the issue where Spider-Man reveals the truth to Miss Marvel, and it is, it's pretty sad, because he ends up leaving, he says, I quit, because he just, he can't take it anymore, and Mephisto's like, this is exactly what we planned for, I didn't make him trade every, anything, because he's, you know, he's a young, impressionable kid, and that is really gonna hurt him, so I, I liked that, that look, the whole rest of the story, 
is about this weird alien girl who is attacking Nova. And this is apparently from the Nova series back in the day. I don't remember her. And so I don't know if she was forgettable or not, but she's trying to kill him. And what I liked about this too is that Dust is part of the champions right now. And it's funny too, she's actually wearing an X on her belt here on page six. So maybe she's still in the X-Men, but she gets a badass scene where she basically, she's the one who defeats this girl. And so at that point, they're like, we're sending you away. But she's like, no, no, no. Like I, I need to kill Nova. And he's like, well, hey, heads up. I'm not Nova anymore. The Nova Corps took my helmet away. So I, I'm nothing. And she's like, no, you must be at full power. I must slay you while the Nova power crackles through your veins. Like, And I'm like, okay, I can kind of see where this is going. And she says, we need to take your helmet back. And he's like, uh, what? Yeah, that would be great. But she's like, nope, nope, we're going to get your Nova helmet back. And then we're going to fight. And so he says, hey, guys, I'm actually going to go off with her and get my helmet back. And they're like, wait, where are you going? He's like, yeah, 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 no, I know this is weird, but I'm like of no use to you guys. I'm just a regular human right now. So I'm going to go do this. And she's like, and then I'm going to kill you. And he's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll be back, guys. Like, So that piece of it is really interesting. And I find a lot of comedic gold in there because – She's that obsessed, but she, it's like Drax, like uh, Drax trying to fight Thanos sort of thing, except uh, if Drax was like, no, I'm not going to fight you until you're at your full power. So uh, I really enjoyed this issue. I like where the champions is going. I'm still waiting to, and the next issue is the War of the Realms. So uh, we'll see, you know, where that takes us. But I'm just interested to see because eventually it's going to, it's inevitability at this point that there's going to be a Young Avengers movie. Obviously, they're setting it up in the MCU right now with all the characters like Kate Bishop and uh, Spider-Man, Shuri. And I'm wondering, are they going to take a more Young Avengers approach? Because a lot of the characters are there, like uh, like Hawkeye. And uh, they've got like Hulkling and some other ones there. But then there's a lot of Champions characters that are in it as well. And so if they whether they call themselves the Champions or the Young Avengers or whatever, I'm just curious to know what story they're going to adapt. Personally... I would love it if they made up a new story that is either based off of already MCU stuff or just some fresh story because I don't know what story I would pick from the champions or otherwise, but um, it's a good series. So if you're not reading it, I would recommend jumping on it, especially if you like those younger characters uh, like Miss Marvel and Miles Morales as Spider-Man. All right, guys, another big event one, Avengers No Road Home, issue number eight. And I want to point out to you guys, I made an error in a prior podcast. This is not a 12-issue miniseries or maxi-series. This is a 10-issue series. So you could call it, I guess, an almost maxi-series. So we've only got two issues left after this one. And this was a good issue. We're, we're getting set up for the big event. Written by Jim Zub, Mark Wade, Al Ewing, art by Carlo Baberi, with uh, color art by Jesus Abiertov and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So this one actually follows the narration of multiple people. We get Hercules' narration, Hulk's narration, and I think we also get Hawkeye's, and we'll, we'll get them as we're going. But right now, Hercules, Spectrum, Vision, and Wanda are in the are in Shadazar fighting to help uh, Conan. And then Hulk... Hawkeye and Rocket are on the planet Euphoria, which is from the Silver Surfer comics, it, and uh, they're fighting Nyx. And so right now it's Nyx versus Hulk. Each of them have consumed one of those uh, soul crystals, and that fight is insane. It's really awesome to see. And at the same time, we get to see everyone try to save Conan, which is cool. And, and they do a really cool thing with that as well. But then we get a good bit about Hawkeye 
and even Hulk acknowledges that Hawkeye's pretty cool, but that scene was really nice, and I enjoyed reading it, and then the cool thing, too, was uh, this bad, this evil, whatever, uh, the alien, not alien, it's like the demon's son, his name is Ozius, which is, it's the goddess of misery, and so she unleashes her full power on the Avengers and shoots them with these, like, misery daggers that make them all think the worst of themselves, so Wanda sees Jericho Drum kind of, like, dying, uh, Spectrum, and this was, it's always crazy to think about, she says, what's left after a thousand years, a million years, what's left after everything I knew, what's left of me, like, because she's gonna live forever, so that's kind of her fear, uh, Vision gets to see his kids kind of die, and then we, you know, kind of go through the paces, but, uh, what I liked about this issue is seeing Hercules overcome his fear, because, he, to me, is a very underrated MCU character. I really liked him doing during the World War Hulk series. I actually subscribed to his series. I liked it so much, The Incredible Hercules. But uh, we just haven't seen him in a while, and they've done a really good job of showing him as this this uh, warrior hero. And he kind of helps out, and then eventually, by the end of this issue, Hulk's about to... Be- oh, and I, I don't want to spoil this for you guys. I'm not going to spoil it, but the end of this issue... I just don't know where things are going to go, but they've set it up to where there's going to be a final battle and a big one at that. So I wonder if the final battle will be the next issue and then there'll be a recovery issue, the last one, kind of the epilogue, but we'll see. Uh, But it was awesome. So I hope you guys have been joining me on this journey for Avengers No Road Home. It's been nonstop action the entire time. Next up, Captain America, issue number nine. I am in love with this series, guys. This series is so good. It is such a political series, like really capturing current day events and uh, just the the whole corruption of of the system, I guess you could say, especially in terms of the media, uh, just because, and you'll see as you read it, but it's just a great series right now. I don't know how Captain America is going to get out of this unscathed. And then these Daughters of Liberty as well. It, it's so cool to see Spider-Woman and uh, Mockingbird, Mrs. Mrs. Fantastic, Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman, and uh, this new person, the Dryad, who uh, they've figured out who assassinated Thunderbolt Ross, and they're going after him. And it's just, it's just And then at the same time, Steve's trying to figure out how to get out of this highly secured prison. And it just seems like things are at the same time moving forward and backfiring. And it's just made for a really interesting read. And I, I honestly, I can't wait for the next issue. I, I was a little leery after the prior issue, issue number eight. And uh, I've, and I'm gonna let me uh, tell you guys who made this comic. But uh, issue number eight kind of had me going eh. And now I'm I'm just back in, so I'm not even worried at this point. But it's by Ta-Nehisi Coates and Adam Kubert. So if you guys are looking for who's going to be doing your Wolverine, it's this guy. And I can say Kubert is great. I enjoy his art a lot. Color art by Frank Martin. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So um, like I said, if you haven't started reading this, jump on it. It's a cool series. Ta-Nehisi Coates is a great writer. And I, <coughs> I don't necessarily know where Captain America is going in 2020, but... I'm sure they're setting him up for to get there. Here's an interesting one, guys. I, I have not been keeping up with this, but the fact that it was Matthew Rosenberg and Simon Kudransky 
who uh, do this series that's writing and art, and then colors by Antonio Fabella, letters by VCs Corey Petit. This is The Punisher. I wanted to check out Simon Kudransky's art because he's doing the art for Fallen Angels, uh, the X-Men series, and also I really like Matthew Rosenberg's stuff on X-Men, so I've been wanting to check this out. I read the first issue and wasn't interested, but uh, we're now on part five of the Warren Baglia, and I honestly... This is, I thought, was a great jumping on point. It's essentially the entire issue is uh, the Punisher just destroying and wrecking the city of Baglia, which is a city comprised solely of villains, and he is driving around in a tank with his Punisher skull on it, just blowing stuff up. And uh, at the same time, Baron Zemo, who runs the place, is uh, trying to like get some guests and have them... I think he's trying to get sponsorship to be recognized as a nation. And they're like, uh, he's like, I hope the construction crews didn't delay you from your trip to the airport. As in the background, like the town is just exploding because the Punisher is blowing it up. And this guy says, my driver said it was the Punisher. He says, what an odd thing to hear him say. Clearly not a man who reads the papers. The Punisher is dead. I'm sure you've heard. He said, that's what I thought. Your nation's catching and executing that maniac was what made our prime ministers agree to have this meeting at all. So he is dead? He says, yes, quite. And he goes, and everything in Baglia is going uh, well? And uh, Baron Zemo is standing in front of uh, this open window, and he says, of course. And then the next panel is another giant explosion. And he turns around and he just says, construction waits for no man. And uh, so it's the writing in here is really good, and the art's also really good. The Punisher just looks like a complete badass, and he is a nightmare to deal with. He, These Hydra agents, just they're so dumb. And Jigsaw is in this as well. And I just, this, it, it appears there's going to be a part six, which I imagine is going to be the ending of this or maybe the conclusion, but it's insane. So I'm really happy that I jumped on this. I hope there's going to be some more issues. Next up, Uncanny X-Men issue number 15. Uh, we're back in the game, guys. I had uh, <clears throat> told you this last issue didn't really pique my interest. Well, we're back. So at this point, we kind of answered some of the questions of me being like, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, so at this point, Captain America kind of visits the X-Men and says, you guys need to be careful what you're doing. Like, you're attracting a lot of attention. This is not good for PR. If you need my help, let me know, but I can't let, help you in public. Like I said, another reason why the Avengers are completely useless to the X-Men. But by then, they start fighting some bad uh, mutants. And I don't know why, but the fight was good anyway. And it really led to the tipping point, which was... Hope Summers is trying to kill some politician, and she ends up doing it, but not before she shoots Cyclops in the eye and then blasts Wolverine with her own laser eyes because her power is that she can absorb the powers of people around her. And then Wolverine just stabs her in the chest with both of his claws and just eviscerates her. But we find out she was using uh, Wolverine's healing factor at the same time, so she didn't die. But Cyclops is now an actual Cyclops, which is interesting. And uh, we get some cool stuff from Dark Beast as well. And he ends up pulling this techno virus that was in a couple of the X-Men out and transferring it into what looks to be a body double of Jamie Madrox, which seems to have some interesting uh, ramifications as we're nearing the end of this. I think there are only seven issues left. But uh, like I said, the art is great too. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg is writing it. The art is by Salvador La Roca. And the, are they even going to say what it is? They're not, are they? 
But the I'm gonna find it when we get to the end here. I'm just I love I'm really enjoying this X Men stuff. Wow, there's no there's nothing in this that says who's doing the writing and who's doing the drawing. Uh, why wouldn't they post that? You'd think they would want to. Well, that's weird. Uh, well, anyway, it's Matthew Rosenberg, Salvador La Roca, and it looks like Guru EFX on probably on colors. I don't know who lettered it because they don't have that listed in here. Super weird. But yeah, that's I'm really enjoying this series, guys. I know I've said that in all the prior ones, but it's uh, it hasn't changed now. I'm back. Next up, Immortal Hulk, issue number 16. Still continuing on the hot streak. I don't think this, this book is ever going to not be on a hot streak. But it uh, kind of goes over what's going on with Rick Jones. And I, I don't honestly want to spoil this one just because some interesting stuff happens in here. But we get uh, the Hulk gets captured and he gets he gets pranked uh, in the mighty Marvel manner. Him and Doc Sampson go back to that cave from issue number three where he ate that, that radiated guy. And they get cap they get captured by turning on some UV lights. The Hulk reverts back to Bruce Banner. And uh <clears throat> like I said, I won't spoil what happens after that, but uh the end of this issue is a huge twist. And uh, I am really, really looking forward to what's coming in this next issue because I did not see this coming and I, I think I thought I did in the prior spoil like prior previews editions or, or issues. And I completely forgot about it, but I, I remember that this person's hopefully who I think it is is making a comeback, and uh, I'm gonna be so glad when I see it because it's oh, guys. If you haven't been reading this series, you're missing out. Uh, Al Ewing writing, Joe Bennett pencils, Re Jose on inks, and Paul Mounts on colors with VCs Corey Petit on letters. This is a, this is an Immortal Hulk issue you do not want to miss. And uh, again, Al Ewing is just everything he seems to touch is gold. The final thing that we will be reviewing today is The Amazing Spider-Man, issue 18.HU, A Hunted Story. And this is really brief because, like I said, I, I've already done Hunted. I just I wanted to point this out. If you're looking for, like, if, you, if you've had something happen to you recently or something, you know, if you have trouble processing your emotions and you are looking for an outlet, something to do that's going to make you cry, uh, read this issue because this is the one of the saddest issues of comics I've ever read in my life. This is a story about the Gibbon, who is a very low-grade Spider-Man villain. Who this entire issue is about him, narrated by him, <clears throat> and the entire issue is about him dying. Because if you remember, in Hunted, he gets shot and killed by all of the hunters. So there's just an air of sadness about him trying to reconcile with what his life has been up to this point and all of the ridicule that he has been put through the the good times he has had the bad times as spider-man holds him dying and he dies and it just it's a uh, it's incredibly sad it's an incredibly sad story like there's really nothing more to say besides that there's maybe a couple little bits of comedy but nick spencer just really knows how to put Nah, knows how to put you in the dirt for sure. Um, so yeah, like I said, if you're looking to cry or get you know get some feelings out, read this issue because it's going to make you incredibly sad, and uh, for good reason too. The Gibbon, while I don't know much about him, and this is really I don't really care about the Gibbon because he's you know he is that he's just he's I've never even read an issue with the Gibbon besides this hunted storyline, but it made me feel bad for him and it made me wish that he hadn't died because he deserves to have a, a you know a good life and he. He had some flashes of it, but overall, rest in peace to the Gibbon. 
And that is where we are going to wrap up this Marvel Unlimited Monday. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. For Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein, and enjoy reading these comics. Thank you.